0: Welcome to The Parental Compass, presented by Family Education and Support Services. I am your host, Bobby Williams. As always, if you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on Apple or Spotify, or go to our website, parentalcompass.org. We're going through a special moment right now. It's starting to feel like we've gotten through the thick of the pandemic. Things are opening up a little bit. But that doesn't mean that we necessarily feel that way inside. Everyone, everyone on this whole planet has been through a lot of trauma the last two years. And that can especially be true for children. To an eight year old, a year is a eighth of their life. It's a huge deal. So how do we help them navigate through it? Well, here to speak with me today is Julie Ross. Julie joined us all the way from New York. And she is the author of multiple critically acclaimed books, including Joint Custody with a Jerk and How to Hug a Porcupine, Negotiating the Prickly Points of the Tween Years. So I was, I was really stoked to have Julie here to speak with us today. Let's hear what she has to say.
1: It's a unique trauma in that in terms of the length of time that it's taken. It's also unique in that parents and children experienced it in very similar ways because Mm -hmm. it isolated families. And the family became the pod um, for socialization, for academics, for parents working. And that in and of itself, I think, created another level or another layer that people are still going to be working through as we move forward.
0: Yeah, well, and it seems like over that year, there was a certain set of coping tools people had, like it was okay to get some more screen time or play video games or just stay in the house all day. And now it's like the rules are changing, and that's that's a big shift, I'm sure.
1: It's a huge shift. And you know, as a parenting expert, I even told parents to make their rules specifically around screen time more lax be mm-hmm. and and my thinking about it, i which I think is still accurate, Um, for for the advice at that time was that one of the biggest things that kids were missing out on was socialization. And that's a huge component of their development. They really have to have socialization in order to develop into independent adults. So, so my reasoning at the time, and, and if, if we had to do it again, I'd probably say the same thing they are using technology for socialization mm-hmm. and and that is such a necessary component to their development i think what parents are struggling with now and with good reason is that you know what looked at first to be maybe a couple months thing you know we were thinking oh it'll be over in a couple months oh it'll be over by the next school year oh suddenly we're like, oh, it's not over. Oh dear. Um, So uh, some habits were developed during that period of time. Now, arguably, I would say if you, even if you took technology out of it, habits developed and we became used to just both parents and children alike, we became used to being isolated so what i'm seeing and i'm seeing it across the board no matter the age of the well not no matter the age of the child i would say school age children and above toddlers seem to do pretty well in the pandemic mm-hmm. but um school age kids and above and as well as adults are have a lot of social anxiety yeah Because you know, suddenly you're out, you know, for a coffee with your friends, and you know, it's a new thing that you can do again, and you're finding yourself at a a a loss for words. How do I keep up a conversation here? Ah. And kid kids are experiencing that on similar levels. You know, how do they interact with other kids? So, what
0: can we do then to help them learn how to socialize or take on these challenges? Cause it's almost like everyone was delayed by a year or something.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's more like everybody was delayed by two years. Yeah. Um, my advice to parents is first and foremost approach with empathy. Hmm. Cause a lot of people, a lot of parents are looking at these behaviors, whether they're the behaviors of a a child who's going into college, or the behaviors of a kid going back to, uh, you know, full in-person learning in the fall, or going to camp right this summer, um, parents are taking it personally. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like they're not able to, and I get this, they're not able to recognize that this was an incredibly traumatic experience. For their kids as well as for themselves yeah. so instead of thinking about this like oh wow they must my kid must be really struggling with some social anxiety with some sadness kind around of
0: fear this. And, mm-hmm, so much anxiety right? yeah
1: so much anxiety but parents are like okay it's over let's just move on with With our lives, and 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 the problem is that when when we don't approach with empathy with our children, when we don't assume, so the other thing parents are doing, Bobby is is saying to their kids, "Why are you feeling this way? Why are you not motivated? Why don't you want to go out and play with your friends? Why do you want to still be on the computer? You know, your friends are out playing basketball or whatever." The why questions are just not only irrelevant because people often don't know why they're feeling a certain way but they're all they also block the communication in the relationship so the kid feels even more shut down yeah. so i tell right i tell parents make a guess go to the well Get it to be more nurse. of a
0: conversation in a way is sort of what you're saying of I think that you're dealing with this and this is what's going on. And then maybe they can answer of yes, like, no, whatever, or you at least get them thinking about it. Is that kind of what you're saying?
1: Absolutely, 100%. We need to give them the words and the validation for their experience, as opposed to, as I said before, assuming that they are, you know, doing it to spite us or doing it because they're not motivated to, you know, go back to school. It's not that. It's a reaction. It's a reaction to the trauma.
0: So many parents I know are like, well, my kid, yeah, they just want to hang out all day or... They just want to play video games or they want to be on the Internet. And it seems tough because it's like, well, video games and the Internet worked and helped for a time. But now it's time to get off the games. Like, how do you set limits with that? Do you just throw away the Xbox and be like, (laughs) get out there? Or uh, I mean, what do you do for that? Because that's an issue with so many families right now.
1: Oh for sure. And I know how tempting it is to throw that darn Xbox away, right? Yeah. Um but don't. First of all, it's expensive, you know. Don't don't waste waste that. But I think what what parents can do is is better define what the boundaries are going to look like post-pandemic or as the pandemic, you know, lessons mm-hmm. versus the, the, the boundaries during the pandemic. And so what that looks like is, um, a, a more kind of collaborative approach than parents might have used prior to this. So parents might've said, here are the rule prior to this, here are the rules, here's the way it's going to go. Um, you know, and you break the rules and you lose, you know, everything. The, the approach now, I think, again, needs to come from this point of empathy. I know how hard this was on you. And I know how important these, these, you know, various types of technology became for you. And I get that. And we have to now, as we're moving forward, we have to make room for some of the other things to come back in. So the amount of time that you'll be in school, homework, sports, um, you know, extracurricular activities. So how how might we look at this a little bit differently? So when we come in with a, a collaborative approach, It does a number of things, but one important thing it does is that it it gets buy-in from the child. People in general are more likely to live by the rules if they helped create the rules. Now, let me be very clear for our listeners. (laughs) Let me be very clear. That doesn't mean that they get their way Right? Because any kid is gonna go, oh, I'll get I'll get that done, I'll get the other stuff done, I'll, I'll I'll do my chores, but I still want 12 hours a day on my Xbox. Right. Expect that. Um it, you know, when push comes to shove as parents, we are still in charge. We are still, we still have the ability and the responsibility to create the boundaries. So when a child fails to collaborate with the parent, that's an opportunity for the parent to say, well, look, we can either collaborate on this. You know, some parents kind of like the idea of creating contracts, others make it just kind of a verbal uh, you know, a, a, a verbal agreement. Um, but you know, we can either collaborate or I'm going to make the rules. Mm-hmm. And here's what my rules are going to be. And then Offer up some rules that are, you know your child's not going to like, and that ultimately makes them more willing to collaborate on them. I think the other thing, Bobby, is the parents should also be ready to create consequences for whatever the parent and child came up with.
0: Do you think it's appropriate to try to wean them off the Xbox and internet? Like, should it be like, okay, we're going five hours, we're going... Four, three, or do you think just set a reasonable expectation and go to it? Because it almost could it, be addictive, you
1: know. Oh, you know, and I think what we're finding is that it is addictive for mm-hmm. many kids because it pings the pleasure center of the brain. Um, so, he, so here's the the answer: you can do it either way. Yeah, you can either say cold turkey. You got, you know, we're going to come up with an agreement that we're going to stick to starting tomorrow. Or, um, you know, let's come up with an agreement uh, for the first week to help you ease back. And then for the second week, and then for the third week, just so long as you're clear with the kid about what what that looks like so that they don't say, but you said last week I could have five hours on the computer, right? Mm -hmm. So
0: we're talking a lot about youth and their mental health, but also adults have really been through it through COVID. Do you have any advice on how to take care of yourself so that you can be a stronger parent?
1: Um. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: like, how to recover from this. I still feel anxious just going to the grocery store and being around people because I'm just used to thinking of people as like threat, threat, you know. And yeah. so it's like there's these lingering effects and anxiety that we're all going through. So sure. I mean, that's a big question, but an important one.
1: Yeah. No, but I think that it's an it's a it's a valid question because you know it's it's a little bit like they say, um, when you get on an airplane, right? They say if the oxygen mask drops, put it on yourself first and then help the person next to you. It's the same thing in parenting. You have to ha- have the oxygen yourself before you can help your child. Right. Yeah. And so we have to do the self care um, that we need to do as parents. And so, and so, you know, it could look over, I mean, there's as many varieties of what to do as there are people in the world. But, you know, let's say a lot of the anxiety is social, like going to the grocery store um, or taking a trip or, um, you know, whatever it might be we need to take that first of all we need to acknowledge that it's hard right don't beat yourself up about it then second we need to take the steps necessary to get from point a to point z right we don't get from from one to another in one fell swoop so the first step i know i know one mom that i talked to was uh, really afraid of traveling um, you know, even though the numbers were are, are growing down and all of that. So the first step that she took was to go out to dinner with her husband at an outdoor restaurant. That was it. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that's the, was the first step. She hadn't done that, right, during the pandemic. Now, maybe you're already at that step. Maybe you've been out to dinner right? With a friend or a, you know, a a colleague or, you know, a loved one. So that, you know, what's the next step from there is what you're going to look at. So she, she followed through from doing that to doing um, indoor dining, to driving to the airport with, with her husband, to be in the airport and have just a cocktail at the airport. I mean, it sounds a little silly, but she needed to go through all of those steps before she could finally feel comfortable getting on a plane. So it's, it's a weaning process and an acknowledgement process that we've also been through something really, really difficult and they're still going through it. I mean, there's still some uncertainty I think out there.
0: Yeah. We're kind of go, we're still going through a moment in history in a way like we've had the heat of the pandemic And now it's this period where things are starting to open, open up again, and we're easing back into life. But there's definitely still some hesitance there.
1: Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. And I think, you know, as parents, we shouldn't expect more of our children than we're expecting of ourselves. Yeah. You know, if we're still, you know, a little bit anxious, we should expect our children to be a little bit anxious, too. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and really also, I think, see it as a, a team effort to get back to whatever post pandemic life is going to look like. I mean, and I say, get back to it. It's really not, that's really, uh, um, misspoken to, to move forward into whatever post pandemic life looks like. It's not going to be pre pandemic. And, you know, hopefully it's not going to be look like what it did during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but how can we move forward? How can we dialogue about it as a family even um, to 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 create a healthy trajectory?
0: It seems like some core ideas you're talking about are just empathy and understanding for your children and also for yourself a little bit
1: a hundred percent. I think empathy is the key to everything.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with me and to talk with me about these important issues. Do you have any closing thoughts or words you want to share with our audience?
1: Um, You know what? The only thing that I would say is along with empathy, be patient, Mm. be patient with yourself, be kind to yourself, be patient and kind with your kids and never underestimate the value of positive communication. Um, if you're having a feeling, don't clam up. Talk about it. Because that really is, that's, that's the thing that heals, is when we can talk about that.
0: Yeah, I can't keep it bottled in. Uh, how can our audience keep up with you or read some of your books or things like that?
1: Sure. Um, Well, my website is Parenting Horizons, plural, all one word, ParentingHorizons.com. They can also follow my podcast, which is the Parenting Horizons podcast, which is available on all the platforms that you might expect. Um, And then, uh, you know, if you look me up on Barnes and Noble or Amazon.com, you'll find my books.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Oh, you're so welcome, Bobby. It was my pleasure.
0: Thank you, Julie. Empathy, patience, understanding. There are all points that we need to actively work on and remind ourselves about. This has been the Parental Compass presented by Family Education and Support Services. My name is Bobby Williams. We'll see you next week. Peace.